Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Hey, listen, if you're watching from home, I need to say this. Uh, we're currently having technical difficulties, so please stand by. Uh, we are uh, we're experiencing a little bit of the, the volume should be good and everything, but the uh, the video may be. Uh, uh, I'm just kidding. I just want to see make, make them think that I'm messing up. The video may be a little messed up, but we're working on it right now. We're we're trying to get that fixed. And so, also this morning, uh, we have a lot of people that watch our our uh, services, and I want to say a special hello from from here all the way to Florida. To Aunt Sue, not my Aunt Sue, but I'll take her. Aunt Sue and Uncle Kevin, right? Uncle Kevin and Aunt Sue. Let's let's give it up for them, y'all. I know you guys don't know who they are, but he let me drive his uh, souped-up Camaro once, and it was awesome. So, yeah, it was pretty awesome. So, anyway, hi to y'all. I hope you guys are enjoying this, and everybody else from home, hope you guys are enjoying it too, and I hope you guys are doing well as well. So it's good to see you guys this morning. Listen, if you go ahead and turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 2, we're going to dig into Hebrews this morning, uh, and we are going to look at the next section uh, of the Scripture. So go ahead and turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 2, starting in verse 10, and I want to give you a quick update on where we, uh, where we have been so far in the, in the text. And so we have seen this. We've seen that the people in, uh, in the book of Hebrews are, are struggling, okay? Uh, my son would say they're on the struggle bus, all right? They're struggling. They are being persecuted by, uh, by the leaders, uh, one of which was Nero, uh, which uh, you guys will know from history, did a lot of horrible things uh, to followers of Jesus. So they're under heavy persecution. And here's what they're trying to think about doing. They're kind of thinking about ditching the whole thing. They're kind of thinking, hey, you know what? We're out of here. We're not going to do this anymore. As a matter of fact, we're going to go back. We're going to go back to just being regular Jewish people. We're just going to go back to the old faith. That, that we knew before, to the old covenant that we knew before. We're going to forget all this other stuff because they didn't really mess with us back then. And so the writer of Hebrews is writing to them and he's encouraging them. And here's what he's saying. He's saying that Jesus is greater, okay? Jesus is greater than blank. And whatever you fill in, Jesus is greater. We also looked at this. Back in the Old Testament, they really had this high, high thought of angels and so he the first thing he starts at the at the middle of chapter one and then in verse chapter two he says Jesus is greater than the angels as a matter of fact Jesus was the one that commands it was God and, and Christ they command command these angels and, he, and Christ is elevated now and he sits at the right hand of the father so he is in full control and so the angels the angels are lesser than are lesser than him now, okay? He also, we, he also, the writer also says this. He says, I know you guys may be going through a tough time and I know that things may be hard, but here's what I want you to understand. Do not, here you go, do not throw in the towel. Don't throw in the towel. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up on what you know to be the truth. And then um, we see finally that he begins to unfold this message he begins to unfold this message, and that's where we come to Hebrews chapter 2, starting in verse 10. And this is what it says. It says, God, 
for whom through everything was made. I want to stop right there. I want you to understand something, and I want you to, I want you to picture this in your mind. I want you to get this. If you look in Genesis chapter 1, you see that when he talks about the creation of the world, it, it, it actually gives a threefold creation. There was not just one person there. There was not just two persons there. It was a threefold trinity that was there during creation. And the Bible says this. The Bible says that God created everything through Christ. That's what he says. So Jesus was there in the beginning and the creation process came through Christ. And so when it says God for whom through everything was made, it was made through Christ. We see John chapter 1 verse 1. It says in the beginning, you know, God, that Christ was there. The word was there and the word became flesh in the beginning. Here's what he says. He says he chose uh, to bring many children into glory. Who are those children? That's you and me into glory. And it was only right that he should make Jesus through his suffering a what? A perfect leader. Fit to bring them into their salvation. Verse 11 says, so now Jesus and the ones he makes holy, that's us, have the same father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. For he said to God, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters, and I will praise you among your assembled people. He also said this, he said, I will put trust in him. I will put my trust in him, that is, I and the children God has given me. And then on verse 14, he does something pretty amazing. He says, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power over death. Only in this way could he set free all those who lived in their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. We also know that the son did not come to help angels. There it is. He's knocking the angels again. He says, hey, the son didn't come to help these angels. Well, who did he come help? He came to help the descendants of Abraham. Now, when he's writing this to the Jewish people, they're going to connect with that. They're going to say, wait a minute. I am the descendants of Abraham. That's who I am. And so Jesus came to help me. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us. And don't miss that part. His brothers and sisters so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. It's a lot. It's a lot. But there's a general theme that I want you to get in this in this message. First thing I want you to know is, is that God made a decision. God chose, he chose. It was God's decision. He didn't, he, he chose to use Christ. He did not choose to do it through angels. He did not choose to do it through the prophets. And he did not choose to do it through the Old Testament law. The salvation that you and I have was chosen by God through Christ. He chose Christ to bring that. Not the angels, not the prophets, not, not, not through the law. Well, he chose to do it through his son. Now, what implications does that have for you and me? What does that mean for you and I? He chose to do it through his son. He could have done it some miraculous way, but he chose to do it through his son. And so the question is, is why would he do that? Why would he choose to do it through his son? Well, the answer is simple. Remember what I told you happened in chapter 3 of Genesis. God wanted to show that the lesser would defeat the greater. I want you to hear that. God wanted to show that the lesser would defeat the greater. Can I tell you the truth here? I want you to listen to this. 
God's still showing that today. God's still showing that today. You know, the, 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 the nation of Israel, look at it on a map. It's tiny. It's tiny, the nation of Israel is. And everything that surrounds Israel, everything that surrounds Israel, they're all enemies, yet still it stands. Why? Because God will choose that the lesser will defeat the greater. And that's exactly what he did. Remember at the time, at the time when Jesus came down, he was made human. And because he was made human, he was made lower than the angels. And so I want you to understand, and here's the first point I want you to get from this text that, we're, that we read. The first point is this, and I know you may have never thought about this. And I had no, this is things that I knew in my head. I kind of knew these things in my head, and I had been taught them, and I, I had it in my head, but I never put it in my heart. And I want you guys today to put this in your heart. And it's this, and maybe this will encourage you. Jesus had to learn obedience. I want you to hear that. Jesus had to learn obedience. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean, if your thought was, was that Jesus came down, he was perfect, he was God, of course he was going to do the right thing, of course he was going to make the right decisions, of course he was going to do those things, that, you know, because he's God, of course he's going to do that. No, I want you to understand something. If he came down, if he came down, and he did not have to learn obedience. If he came down, the reason he was able to come down and the reason we have salvation is because he made himself lower at that time, lower than the angels. He became the lesser. And he had to learn obedience. And I hope that encourages you because I can tell you this, it really encouraged me. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10 says this. It says that he was a perfect leader. See what it says? It says, through his suffering, a perfect leader. Leader. Now I want you to tell you what that word perfect means. Here's what it means. The word perfect means champion. Here are some connotations for that word. Champion, founder, hero, and captain. He was the perfect leader. He was the perfect leader. He was the perfect champion for the cause that we find ourselves in. He was the perfect captain for the cause. He was the perfect hero for the cause. But remember, God's plan was for the lesser to defeat the greater. And so he had to learn obedience. He had to learn it. It was funny, whenever uh, we, were, we, we, had, we had just had, had Blake, um, I guess he was about two years old, and uh, I was hard at work, and uh, really hard at work. And uh, um, Wendy, Wendy was at home, and she called me in a panic, and she said, listen, um, I literally left Blake for like two minutes and he climbed up on top of our cabinets and got in all the way on top of the kitchen cabinets at the very top and he got into the NyQuil. And so she said, I came out and he had NyQuil all over his face uh, and he said, all better, mommy. That's what he said. And Wendy freaked out because the NyQuil was gone. It was a whole bottle. It was gone. And so she, we, she rushed him to the emergency room, and I rushed over there. And uh, we, we had to teach Blake that you don't climb up and drink the NyQuil, okay? Um, let me just say that he had the best nine-hour nap that ever happened. But we had to sit there with him while he did that. Why is that? Why is that? Well, the reason is, is because we had to teach him obedience. We had to teach him this one, we were, uh, we were at a wedding last night, and, uh, and there was this, this kid at the table with us. 
Uh, he was a little bitty, little bitty, little bitty boy, a uh, cute little boy. Um, but he was, he was maybe two, two and a half years old. And he was being kind of mean, maybe younger than that. And he was being very mean. He was being very mean and hitting people and this kind of stuff. Can I tell you what? I know his mom and dad, they didn't teach him any of that. Okay? They didn't teach him any of that. Why is that? Well, because he was born with that sinful nature. He was. We all were. You know, no one has to teach, no one has to teach a little, little bitty kid to do that. I want you to understand something. Jesus had to learn obedience, okay? But the difference between us and him is that he did it perfectly because he became a perfect, hear that, a perfect, he did that, a perfect leader. Well, how in the world did he learn that? How did Jesus learn that? Like, how did he learn the obedience? That's the question. And you want to say, well, he was God, and so he had this, you know, he, he was the, the, you know, God's son, and so he had this direct connection to him. No, no, that's, that's not true. Because he became fully, fully human. But he did have a connection with God, and we know that, and here's how we know it. We see it played out in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 47, we see a story that happens. It says this, it says, Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. Hold on right there, Lynn. Leave it right there. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. What does that tell you about Jesus' parents? Let me tell you what it tells you. They were committed to the faith. They were committed to God. They were deeply committed to God. What does that tell you about you and I? If we are deeply committed to God, then our children, our children will be obedient to his word by our example. Are you with me? By our example. Let's go ahead and continue that. It says this, it says, when Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. And then it says, after the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth. Now they would travel guys in these big, big, huge, like convoys almost. They would travel in these big convoys. So he started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind him in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first, okay? And here's why, because they, were, they assumed he was traveling among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and their friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him. And where did they find him at? Three days later, now remember they were without him for four total days. They finally discovered him. And where was he at? In the temple. This reminds me of the time that, I'm sorry, Blake, he's going to kill me when I get home. But I, I, this just came to my mind. This reminds me of the time that Wendy had to shut down Kohl's. Uh, uh, and they, had, they did, I don't know, what's, it's, it's Operation Brat, I think they call it. <laughs> Operation Spore Rotten. Uh, but Blake had decided he was going to hide in the little, you know, where they put clothing at. He was in the middle of one of those in the back in the Christmas area. And no one could find him. And so for a while, there was no one, could, no one could find him. Anyway, I, Wendy, Wendy went through some issues with Blake. Anyway, um, I'll just leave it at that. Thank God he's a good boy now because he, he was a bundle of, anyway. Um, listening to them and asking questions. So here Jesus, he's 12 years old. He's listening to them and he's asking questions. Now these are religious people, the religious leaders. He's asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And we'll leave it off right there. All who heard him were amazing. What does that tell you about Christ? What does it tell you about Jesus? Can I tell you what it tells you? He has a direct connection to God because he's taken time and he spent time learning what it is that God wants from him. That's why. 
That's why he has a direct connection. That's why he did have to learn obedience, but his obedience was learned twofold. One, because his, his family, his, his parents were deeply connected with God and obeyed God. And two, two, he, because of that, he also deeply was uh, connected with God and he obeyed God as well. And I want to tell you something. We, we too can be obedient if we stay connected with God. Have you guys ever learned, have you guys ever, you know, when you're really connected with God and you're praying on a, on a daily basis, I'm not talking about getting on your knees all the time. I'm talking about in the car. I'm talking about, you know, at work. I'm talking about, you know, to yourself. When you're connected with God, have you, have you, have you, have you experienced how much easier it is to listen to God and to be obedient? Have you, have you, have you experienced that? Because I have. I have. I told you guys this last week, and I'll tell you again. I really believe this. I'm convinced that most people aren't living their full potential. They're not living their full potential because they're unwilling to go all in with God. That's right. They're unwilling to go all in with God. They want to give God a portion, but they don't want to give God everything. And I think that's what God wants from us. And so he was obedient, but he was obedient because he was connected directly with God. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 16 through 18 says this, and I want you to hear this. It says, we also know that the son did not come to help angels. He came to help who? The descendants of Abraham. So he came to help us. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us. And if you want to circle that in your Bible, he was made every respect like us. His brothers and sisters so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people since he himself, here you go, he himself has gone through suffering and testing. He is able to help us when we are being tested. I want to tell you this right now. Jesus understands our struggle. I don't want you to miss that. I don't want you to miss that he understands. And he doesn't understand our struggle because he's God and he created us. He understands our struggle because he has been through, he's been through the struggle. He's been through that struggle. He's been through the trials and the temptation. He's been through the testing. He's been through all of those things. All of those things. And he did so, so that he could not just be a king that reigned on high, but a compassionate king. A compassionate king. You know, when, uh, um, when, when Wendy and I, when, when Wendy was pregnant, um, I let me. I don't. I'm trying to describe how the whole birth scene played out, not in detail, of course, but just in general. Uh, so, so let's just say I was there for moral support only. Okay, I was neck up. I'll just leave it at that. All right, I was going. All right, you got this. You know, go, go, Wendy. All right. Why is that? Can I tell you why? Because I've never experienced those things, and I never want to. And I'm just telling you that her mom and other ladies can help her a lot more than I can because I've never been there before. You know, I've never been there before. Listen, it's one of the reasons why, I want to tell you this, it's one of the reasons why, now I'll be honest with you, some, some of these have kind of gotten off track, but it's one of the reasons why that Alcoholics Anonymous is so effective because, it, one, it's built on biblical principles. I don't know if you guys know that or not, but the 12 steps are biblical from straight from the Bible. They're biblical principles. Now, some people have skewed them a little bit, but they, they're biblical principles. And it's one of the reasons why it's so effective is that in the group, you go into the group and you sit down 
especially if you came just, you know, first. See, whenever you are lost in a sin, whenever you are, are dealing with this constant sin, you think you're the only one. You do. And here's what you do automatically. I've seen people do this at church. When you're lost in this sin, instead of reaching out for help, you will isolate yourself around. Does that make sense? And only be in that sin. And you will isolate yourself and you won't share it with people and you won't communicate it and you won't go seek help. As long as you're isolated and you're distant, you're disconnected, and oftentimes you get disconnected from God too. As long as you're disconnected, the devil's got you right where he wants you. Satan himself has you right. He wants you to stay away from. But when you go and sit in one of those AA meetings and you sit down and all of a sudden, oh, Joe over there, who's been in recovery for 15 years, starts telling his story. And his story sounds a lot like your story. And his experience sounds a lot like your experience. And his family was a lot like your family. All of a sudden, you find a place to belong. All of a sudden, you're like, wait a minute. I'm not the only one here. That's one of the reasons why I started this church. Because I don't want people to constantly come to a church where everyone has it all together. It was so frustrating for me because I would do counseling during the week and I knew everyone didn't have it all together, but everyone would come in and they would fake it on Sundays. And that frustrated me. I don't want everyone to have it all together. I want you to be honest and real with who you are. And that's why the name is Real Church. We don't think we're the only real church. That's not why. It's just real church. We want you to be genuine. We want you to be real. And, and the reason why is, is because we want you to make sure you understand, hey, can I tell you something? Everyone coming in through those doors, I've already told you this before, the minute you decide you get out of the bed and you start the process of getting ready and coming here, every step you take is a step saying, I do not have it all together. I need to submit myself and I need help from God. And you drive up here. So you're already walking through the door submitted. You're already walking to the door saying, I don't have it all together. So why not just be genuine? And that's how, that's how it is. At, listen, the church is supposed to be a lot like an AA meeting, to be honest with you. You know, hey, I'm Barry, and uh, I'm an idiot, and God's not. So here I am. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hey, Barry, we're glad you're here. We're all idiots too. You know what I mean? I like to tell people we put the fun in dysfunction here at Real Church. That's what we do, right? But listen, that's why, because there's a connection point. There's a connection point. Jesus did that. He did that because he understands our struggle. There should be a connection point with you with you whenever, whenever you, you, you weep over situations, whenever you cry over situations. There should be a connection point with you because Jesus did the same thing. He understands our pain. He understands what we're going through because he too has been through it. Here's the final thing I want to tell you before we wrap up, and it's this. And it's found, it's, it's, I mean, it's a, it, it, is a, it is a powerful verse. I've got it, I actually have it highlighted in my Bible from years ago. And out beside it, I put Jesus changed death. And that's what I want you to know. Jesus changed death. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh, the Son also became what? Flesh and blood. For only as a human being he could die, and only by dying he could what? I want you to get that. Break the power of the devil who had power over Death. I want you to hear that. He had, the devil had the power. The enemy has the power over death. Jesus came in the form of a man, lesser, and he broke the power over death, thus taking back the authority. How did that work? I want to tell you how it works. How that worked is this. I've told you about Adam. He was the first Adam. He and Eve sinned. The original plan was for the greater 
to redeem the greater, those that are committed to God, those that are submitted to God, could the, the lesser could defeat the greater. And so his plan was, was for Adam and Eve to go and redeem the earth. But they failed. And when they failed, death entered the picture. And Satan himself had authority over death because of the disconnection. You know what death is, you guys? It's not, it's not whenever you, you, know, you, 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 get, you, know, you, you get sick or whatever and you pass away. You go, it's not that. Death is disconnection from God. It's what it is. It's disconnection from God. So that's why, that's why the scripture says that if you're a follower of Jesus, you never die. You never die. It's almost like a blink of an eye because we are connected with God. So how did it happen? Well, Adam failed. And the scripture says that a second Adam was needed. The final Adam was needed. So Jesus came exactly the way Adam and Eve came as a person, as a human being, with the same emotions, the same struggles, doing the same obedience, all of those things, with a direct connection with God. And he came in and he defeated, he defeated death once and for all. So here's what he did. He basically took authority over death. He took authority over it. He took it away from the enemy and he took authority over it. How do you get under the umbrella of Christ? Well, you turn your life, that's empty, over to him. And he, therefore, has the authority over your life. I want you to know something. The enemy doesn't have the authority over death at all, ever. He's been defeated already. I want you to know something. And I want you to write this down. The only authority that Satan has over you is that which you give him. I want you to hear that again. The only authority that the enemy has over you is that which you give over to him because he has been defeated at the resurrection of Christ. He's been defeated. It's just what you give him. It's just what you give him. I heard a person one time say, you know, the enemy's been throwing arrows at me, but the truth is, is I gave them to him. How do you give them to him? Your decisions, how you choose to live your life, how closely you walk with God, your obedience, that's how you give them to him. Are you, are you willing to, to be genuine and real and, and to address that anger problem? Are you genuine and real and address that situation with your finances, with that situation with, and I could go on, the family member, I could go on and on and on and on and on. The only authority he has is that which you give to him because he has zero authority now on earth. 2,000 years ago, that was done. And so what is he asking you to do? Christ is asking you to come to join him and to fall under whose authority? His authority. And here's the cool part. This is the cool part. So cool. And we'll close on this. He doesn't want you to be a puppet. He doesn't want you to be like a puppet on a string that, you know, he doesn't want any of that. You know what he wants you to be? He wants you to be his brothers and sisters. 
That's it. He wants you to be his brothers and sisters. That's all he wants. He doesn't want to ruin your life. He wants to make your life better. He doesn't want to control you. He wants you to thrive. He wants you to have a life, John 10, 10 says, that's overflowing, an abundant life. But remember, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he comes to do. And the only way he can steal, kill, destroy is what you give him. Because the authority over life and death is in Christ. And that's the good news. It is. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is trying to tell them. He's trying to say, you don't get it. We're not trying to make you miserable. Jesus himself has went through the same thing that you're going through. And I want you to know that the authority, he took the authority over life and death back. He did. And he holds it. It's found in him. It's not found in running away. It's not found in leaving. It's not found in retreating. It's not found, you know what it's found? It's found in Christ. And listen, that's why. That's why the author is saying Jesus is greater than blank, whatever you fill in. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for today. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much that your word, your word teaches us that you came down, you submitted yourself, you submitted yourself under God's authority. You submitted yourself, Christ, to become lesser so that eventually we could join you in becoming greater. And so, God, we don't take that lightly. We take your sacrifice. We take that and we lay that mantle on us and we walk in it. God, the cool thing about you is is you don't want to control us. You don't want to make us puppets. You don't want to make us clones of each other. You don't want us to be, you want us to be genuinely individual, yet you want us to be your brother and your sister. And I'm thankful for that, God. I'm thankful that you are here to invite us to walk along with you. I'm thankful that we can call you a friend. And I'm thankful that you call us your friend. God, let us get a grasp of that. Let us take that in and let us Lay that mantle on our lives. Let us be like you were, Christ, when you were 12, understanding the scriptures, knowing what God wanted, becoming obedient to that, learning the obedience from our parents and from from other people. And as we do that, God, as we see changes in our life, what we're going to do is is we're going to stop and we're going to give you the glory and the honor and the praise. None of it for us, all of it for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand up and have a final worship song today, you guys. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.